All right, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. I'm assuming you guys edit this as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Welcome to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. A podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I'm Kaylee Legrand. And I'm Justin Van So, And we make our guests introduce themselves because Kaylee's afraid of labels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so our guest today is Sarah Nye. I am the owner of the Wildlings Camp and a mental health survivor. <laughs> Love it. So we're going to introduce the Wildlings Camp. We're going to talk about what that is, and we're going to talk about why you started doing that. Um, do you want to start with the why, or do you want to start with what it is? Um, I guess we can start with what it is, cool. and then go into the whys. The Wildlings Camp is a wilderness camp or an adventure camp for kids. So I go from 4 to 12, take them out into the bush, let them be kids. Um, they learn survival skills, conservation values, and just plain old fun. <laughs> and where is this? Collingwood, Ontario. Yay! Hopefully across Canada in five years. Oh my god, amazing. Oh, that's my plan. That's your business plan. Yeah. I love it. I loved hearing about... Okay, so Sarah and I met at the Super Bowl party that uh, we, happened a week ago or so. Not even. Yeah, we didn't even watch the Super Bowl. No, we did, we did not. And I was super excited because I love my pig skin, but then Sarah had dogs there and I got super distracted and then I was gravitating towards her and then she and I and this other friend of our named Sarah, we all sat in this circle and we're like, this is so much better than football. Oh, we're like fucking a, connected. It was like a full-on therapy session. It was. Oh my God. It was the best. We did watch the halftime show. Well, J Lo just fuck and Shakira. It. Fuck it. Like the two of those women, fifty and forty-three. Oh wow! I'm yeah. excited. <laughs> Justin's like, I did not watch. I yeah. don't know. No, I it. totally watched it. Oh, you did? Okay. I was in the states for it, so oh. I watched it with all the crazy Americans. And you had the good commercials. Yeah, and people get more excited about the commercials than the game. Yeah, it's really confusing. Like I was told to be quiet during like the Black Widow trailer that they'd all watched like three days before because it's already on YouTube but they were yeah. like listen it's on the Super Bowl it's on the Super Bowl ad. and they're like and I'm like uh, 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 okay okay but like the game's going and like someone gets a touchdown and no one, no one cares it's just yeah but it's that, bizarre it, that's so weird that that is a thing it's a thing people actually and I mean I don't know I guess maybe also being a creative being in the industry especially if it's your commercial being able to say that you got it to like that is the, the biggest Bowl? that's where you want it that's your oh, goal yeah that's where, oh, your really? goal if you're in advertising yeah if you're doing commercials for live television or broadcasted television you are you are trying to get the super bowl okay yeah. so that's it new wildlings goal jason moma or however you say moa. his name moa okay yeah. and the wildlings fused oh my god amazing super bowl commercial Done. oh that would be really it's good just like children goal. climbing all over him People are going to be very confused as to what this campus. We're going to just pop into a quick ad right now because we just talked about Jason Momoa and people are probably thinking about dating. Here's that ad. Okay. Dating. Fuck. <laughs> Let's lead into the ad by talking about Kaylee's dating life. 
not going there, but we can help you with yours. Hi with Three Eyes is a new dating app with icebreaker games and quizzes for creative and interesting people. It lets you play games kind of like Cards Against Humanity matched with a BuzzFeed quiz, but you get to do it with your potential matches. So Kaylee, let's say we just matched. Welcome yeah. to Speed Dating on High, round one. Hi. 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 Choose a drink. Wine, vodka, brewskis, or gin? All. Yes. Please? Now? To get... Oh. Yep. Find out what this means by visiting high.com slash not okay. Three eyes. <laughs> and we're back. We are... <laughs> we are talking about Jason Momoa still. Um... <laughs> But we're also talking about wildlings. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess that that really does fit, and I see it right now for the Super Bowl. But getting back to, I mean, you introduced this idea with a, a Xena princess warrior yeah. vibe. Talk a little bit about why that resonates for you. Well, so the why I started this camp is I had a pretty shitty childhood, mm-hmm. um, but I was really fortunate enough that the shitty childhood, my mom had money. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was able to go to sports and like go skiing and go to the Caribbean and everything like that. So whenever I was in the like the wilderness, like I remember we I was a ski racer. Super shitty. I am not good at sports. I am not competitive. <laughs> like I don't care. Like I would literally go up the lift and purposely drop my ski pool in the forest so I could just go hang out in the woods. So my <laughs> so my coaches could never find me, and I started building this massive fort at our ski hill, and I would just hang out there the whole time. They're like, Sarah, it's time for practice, and they couldn't find me. And I'd just be in this fort, pretending I was surviving on my own, doing everything by myself, and just, like, believed in myself. It was, like, such a crazy feeling, because I didn't have that in the home environment. I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood and we can talk about that later but the best most crystal clear ones are me like in the forest doing my own thing getting lost by myself so I'm not from Collingwood but I moved up there when I was 16 Mm -hmm. but um so many women that move up and their kids come to my camp they're like you hike alone I'm like yeah like I love it like it's so peaceful all my anxiety all my fear goes away. Why do they, what, why is it um, strange for you to be hiking alone up there? Well, they, well, they, for them, it's like they're afraid of like, getting lost or getting hurt, no one finding them, or coyotes, which they don't like humans, like, we're so much bigger than them. Like, bears are coming back to the area, which is amazing, but again, the chances, like, you driving to the hiking spot, you have a more chance of getting hurt, right? So, they're always like, you're you're fine? I'm like, yeah, like, get out. You're okay. You have a dog. Like, everything's fine. But they're always so nervous to do things by themselves. But the forest is, like, serenity. People don't make that, like, statistically speaking, yeah, a car crash is more uh, common than even a plane crash. But we are more more inclined to be afraid of taking a plane than a car or just walking in the woods. That's yeah. that's fascinating. So I, you work about getting back to being comfortable, being comfortable in just nature that we are so fearful of which is like we're from it we Mm. we have like removed ourselves from that and we consider ourselves not animals but when you look at how our brain works like how we react in social environments like you go to a bar it's basically a water hole my friend was an anthropologist and we i would go out with her sometimes and she'd explain how and why we're like interacting and like it was insane so interesting so i'm trying to get people back to their roots and like the kids to realize that we like you know helicopter parents 
Like they mm-hmm. basically the kids like are afraid to do anything for themselves. So they like come to my camp and I, I hand them a hatchet mm-hmm. and I hand them a knife and they're like five or six and they're like, what do I do? <laughs> and I'm like, here, I'll show you. And they're so scared. They're like, what if I hurt myself? I'm like, well, then we get to practice our first aid skills. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and then the parents are like, excuse me? Dad? Yeah. And okay. I'm like, they're going to be fine. Like, I always make sure. Like, they don't have enough strength to really hurt themselves. But our last hike, it was really funny. I, on a hatchet, I just sharpened. I cut my finger. But I didn't realize it because it was so sharp, right? So mm-hmm. I was just, I guess I was bleeding everywhere. And then it's snow, so we're all seeing blood. I'm like, who's bleeding? Oh, my gosh. You bleed yeah. everything and I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, I'm bleeding. And all the kids got so excited because we have, like, uh, rules on what to do when someone's hurt. So they all yell, wildlings. And everyone has to sit down and listen to me. But since I was the one hurt, <laughs> like, oh, who no, they, they were so good. One girl took it on. They knew where my first aid kit is. The only issue is they were arguing over who got to put the Band-Aid on me. So oh I'm God. just like, guys, I'm bleeding out. That's <laughs> amazing. They were so stoked. And the one boy is like, I really like blood. Can I look at your finger? I'm like, okay. <laughs> you're like, cool. I cool. hope you're going to become a doctor. Yeah, it is, yeah. Let's channel that energy. Yeah. yeah, well, like, so many of the parents, too. And I and I love them because, like, they've reached out to me. But, like, they'll bring their child. They're like, well, she's not good on her own or she gets really cold or something like that and I'm like okay no complaints like really no complaints from the kids they always have so much fun I give them so much time to just be on their own and explore but like I always have a plan for the day but if they get really into frogs then we're gonna spend the whole day learning about frogs and I think kids don't have that these days like if they have an obsession support it yeah. So what does a typical day look like for you? Like if you have just a general template, like I know you say that that varies based on the kid or whatever, but how do you, what's the general template that you start from? So the kids come, we hike in, I tell them, I'm like, you know where it is. So they all run for it. I'm carrying all the gear. <laughs> they are all waiting. I'm like, we'll find base camp. So we find base camp. We sit in a circle and we close our eyes and they, we take a deep breath and I ask them to tell me three things they can uh, here, three things they can smell and three things they can touch. And we go through like the circle. The next is we go through what everyone wants to learn today. So my first ever hike is one of my first like best stories is we're going through everyone. They're like, I want to learn about the trees or I want to find a butterfly. And there's this one little boy in my camp and I love him so much. He goes, he's, I think he was eight at the time. He's like, I really want to find myself some amphibians. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, All right. And he literally went off for 10 minutes. To just find amphibians. Talking about all the frogs in the oh area. Oh, my God, that's knows amazing. everything. Like, this kid schools me. <laughs> like, he, like, I'm like, okay, this, he know, obviously knows more about me. So I got a present from him last week. He did this crazy drawing of all the frog and toad species in Ontario. And oh it looks God. professional. Oh, my God. Okay? Like, How old is he? He's 10 now. Yeah. It looks so professional. So I decided, I told him, I'm like, we're going to sell this on my website for you. I'm like, you get to keep all the money, like, to support your amphibian, like, passion. Passion, yeah. Like, it's just... And he was like, what? I'm like, yes, this is amazing. Like, I can't get over it. So all these people want to buy it for him. And he he does have, like, a hard time in school. So it's just so great to see him thrive in this environment. I know he does go to forest school as well. But, like, it's just, it makes my heart, like, grow, like, ten sizes. Just to see him 
realize his value. What's forest school? He goes to forest school. So forest school, it's like a like a not a relatively new concept. It started over in Europe, actually, in Germany. So it's basically the school curriculum, but more outdoors. So they you can replace a school day with a forest school day. So they're outside all day. So we have a couple of them. Uh, Redtail Hawk is a really good one up in Collingwood. She works more with like kindergarten, but they're just outside learning about the birds. Like they'll leave a Christmas tree out. And yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's super cool. Yeah. So that's, is that all over Canada or? Yeah, it's everywhere now. Ooh. It's really, some people are just replacing it with the school system, which I don't necessarily agree with. It's hard because a lot of kids suffer in our school curriculum, but life is hard. And like for you, you kind of have to realize, your kid has to realize that they have to kind of do things they don't want to do and just, but you have to teach them how not to lose themselves. So it's like, okay, like I have to take math in grade nine, but once I'm done or like math in grade nine and 10, once I'm done, I don't never have to go near math again, Mm -hmm. but just get to that point, get your high school degree or deal with a bad teacher or deal with a bad kid. Because once you get into the real world, that's constant, right? So if we shield them from that, they're not really gonna, that's where anxiety comes from. Cause they get into the real world. They're like, oh my God, it's terrible. It's not terrible. It's just how it is it's just the opposite of the structure that they've been learning for how long yeah it's not the world's not like picture perfect it's not even if you lived off the grid and on this beautiful farm you still have to deal with real life and if you don't teach the kids that sometimes life sucks and sometimes you have to do things you want to do that's where anxiety comes in and like other complications i think is like super important for them to realize that Have you had a, like, does something come to mind when I ask about anxiety for the kids or um, a particular situation that you found was maybe so far your biggest challenge or the... With the kids? Yeah. Like, have you had to deal with, I don't know, an an extreme anxiety attack or... Not bad. Um, The one boy when he couldn't... So Lulu, my niece, she found a wood frog, which is hard to find. They're really hard to find. She found it. No she, idea what that even is. So yeah, good they're really, really cool. cool. They're actually the ones that freeze in winter. So they mm. have like literally antifreeze in their blood. So if you and I froze, what happens to our blood? It shatters. Our blood cells shatter, right? But these frogs have antifreeze in their blood. So it doesn't necessarily, they, they survive. So they could literally be cryogenically frozen and they're brought back to life in spring. So a lot that of so cool. Yeah, so a lot of like scientists and like research is going in so they can cr- like freeze us to that point that our blood doesn't shatter. So of course, frozen. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking about that. I just pictured his head frozen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Lulu dropped the frog. Um. The one boy who's obsessed, uh, not obsessed, passionate about amphibians, got really upset. Mm. So I let the kids go for like forward. I'm like, I'm gonna sit down and talk with Emerson, and we talked about like it's all about the hunt. You know what I mean? Like, if it, if there wasn't the hunt, then it wouldn't be as fun. And I'm like, there's more than one wood frog here. We just have to keep working at it. And he got the hint. He was pretty upset, but, like, relatively so. That's his passion. Like, when you get the kids outside, it's so easy to manage. Even for me, like, that's why, again, I started this. Like, my anxiety. Like, I remember having driving somewhere and having a terrible anxiety attack, pulling over, literally rolling into the woods and just calming straight down. So the kids are pretty good. If they get worked up, I make them run up a hill. 
think of a couple times. I'm like, okay, you're stressed out. Like, go or you're angry, go run. Get into your yeah. body. Yeah. Like, this one kid was really upset because his snow pants kept fa- falling down. And uh, my sister does my photography and her two nieces. Her two Beautiful daughters. photography. Yeah, your sister's she's a so, great artist. Oh, my God. She's so passionate. Like, so amazing. Um, I'm so lucky to have her, but... Yeah, I remember he was so upset. He's like, snowpants keep falling down. And this is like, you know, helicopter parents. And I'm like, okay, like, let's solve the problem. Like, how would you solve? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, there's a knife over there and there's some like rope. He's like, okay. And I'm like, what could we do with that? So we made him, he made his own belt. And he didn't talk about it. Like, he didn't stop talking about it for, like, two weeks, apparently. Oh, my God. Like, he was so proud. That is so cool. So it's just, like, showing them that they're capable of, like, taking care of themselves. Like, they're so fine. Like, they start fires with me, like, flint and steel. Mm -hmm. Um, I made, um, so it's, Mm -hmm. like, the friction fire almost. But it's, like, with, like, rope. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at me like I have six heads. Justin's sincerely nodding yes. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The boat drill. Baudrillard got it (laughs) so like they get to do that like it's a lot of like it's structured and then it kind of doesn't fall apart but we just kind of like percolate into other areas but there are two things that so far have just like wrapped around my heart so far talking about what what these kids are getting out of it one being able to find solutions for yourself and then manifest them making your own build and then talking about it for two like being so proud of yourself for being able to bring that thing that was in your head into the world and it's functional it's useful it has a utilitarian sense right like they could bring it into real life like I don't expect them to like go and off grid and like live in the boat no but I expect that it's it's the, the concept for them to realize how powerful they are like yeah they may be little but they can do anything it's like another thing is like so we do like a full hike i do a full hike with the kids usually sometimes we get pretty far but i think the farthest we got is around three kilometers because they still get pretty good yeah they're pretty i'm pretty impressed with them but sometimes we get distracted mm-hmm. do a full hike and then we come back we start a fire and then we start to cook a meal so the kids usually start the fire i'll help them but it's still supposed to be camp and then we do sometimes a first aid or wilderness skill Mm -hmm. so we learn about hypothermia and if your friend gets hypothermia what do you do so i have like one of the solar blankets and i teach them how to warm their friend up um one time which was insane so we live on georgian bay Mm -hmm. and i'm like what do you do if your friend falls through the ice and they all said go get them which is if you don't know very 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 bad idea so just the fact that i could teach them that would Mm -hmm. be like no you don't go get your friends like so it's just like really important values that or lessons they should learn and Mm -hmm. then a lot of the time the kids will be like okay what do we do now i'm like what do you want to do they're like i'm bored i'm like that's not my problem figure it out you got like a the biggest playground ever yeah so then they go and build forts and we'll play like they start playing capture the flag and i'm just kind of just making sure all are accounted for no Mm -hmm. one's like got lost but yeah it's not complicated but it's fun (laughs) that's incredible yeah well the other thing that like wrapped itself around my heart already was when you were saying that this kid who was upset about the frog the lesson that he was learning was that it was about the journey Mm -hmm. it it's 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 funny to 
God, like, how old am I? And here you say, <laughs> I have issues with that still. So it's like practicing what you preach as well. So it's like constantly reminding yourself yeah. too when you're teaching your these kids. You're like, right. <laughs> that well, and, yeah. and that is kind of a cool way to remind yourself constantly. And I'm sure that's part of the why, why you do this, because it is that daily reminder. It's it's your part of your, I don't know, quote unquote mission or the, the journey that you chose to f- fulfill for yourself here every, and you choose it every day. Yeah. And I think that that's just something that's been resonating with me recently is the staying in the now. So being aware of that journey, like I, oh, it's yeah. so easy to jump into the future or to create expectations. And sometimes, you know, especially when you're, you're creating a five year business plan and you of course are, it, it makes sense to put things on paper and to create the blueprint for your life. But sometimes we get a little too stuck in the expectations that we're setting for ourselves. We tether ourselves to them a little too tightly or, or even moving in the opposite direction and looking back into the past. This is a conversation I've been having with myself recently about, okay, what is useful to go into the past? What does serve me? What serves me to move into the future? And how much, like, is there a, what's the balance of staying in the now? What sort of percentage should I be trying to stay in the now? And that's what is so hard, like, especially with me managing my anxiety is balancing that. It's like, the past can teach you so much. And I think like for me, especially when you have trauma in your childhood, you just, your first thing, your first thing you're like, I want to forget that. Yeah. Like, I never want to revisit that. We all know that doesn't work. Hence why we have therapy. And then like, it's so important to stay present, but then you get, I find if I stay present, I can become stagnant. And then I get like anxious because I love goals. I love having goals. I love working towards things. But then if I look too far, <laughs> then the anxiety also kicks in. Cause I'm like, like I'm turning 30 in March and oh my God, if I was in my twenties, what I thought I'd be doing in my thirties, like when I turned 30, I was supposed to be pregnant right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nowhere near that. Like, <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. You're but like, like, instead you have everyone else's children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and, like I wanted to be a medical doctor. I was like doing all, like everything. You went to school for sciences. Yeah, I went to school. So I started at Guelph for molecular biology, biology and genetics. And that we can get into like how that worked. But then I went to college for um, environmental engineering. So, but then my main focus was aquatic biology. So it's not marine biology, it's freshwater. Okay. So I worked for Environment Canada. I um, d- uh, treated drinking water in a town up north. I have taught in indigenous, <laughs> like a science in indigenous communities. I lived in Germany and worked out there. So I've been like all over. And my main focus, I think why I wanted to be in the sciences or why I wanted to be a doctor is because I wanted to feel valued. I wanted to be important. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that's like, especially in North America, people always ask you, what do you do? And like, that's like, your job is attached to your value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's super crazy. And like when I lived abroad, like, especially when you live in like, well, Germany, it's like, you, you just have to work. Like that's just a basic fact of life. They don't really care what you do. You just work to live the rest, like the rest of it, just enjoy life. Mm-hmm. So that really changed my perspective. And the best job I've ever had was teaching kids how to ski in the Alps. It was so much fun. Like the Germans all thought I was 
batshit crazy. <laughs> like, I would never wear gloves or a jacket because it's warm there. Yeah. They canceled ski lessons because it was minus 15. And you're like, hi, I'm Canadian. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is ridiculous. Pay me my money. <laughs> like, I will take those I kids. I showed up. Yeah. Tally will take those kids. But I would like run. So I take them through the glades, like the forest on mm-hmm. like on their skis and I get gummy bears and we would be like, uh, we're search, uh, we're searching the Voiperdinger in the, yeah. we're searching for the Voiperdinger, which is like this mythical creature. And oh, they I would hear that. us screaming through, but the Germans were so serious when they're teaching skiing and they're like, who are you? That's hilarious. Yeah. So I just, I always loved working with kids, but like, I didn't feel like that gave me value as a job for some reason. Like that's part of my past. And Working at a bar, bartending, and it served its purpose. Like, I paid my rent. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. There's, like, people that start, like, shoes and clothing designs. I'm like, why wouldn't I do this? So the main thing with the wildlings is, like I was saying, is I was fortunate enough. This sounds weird. I know. I was fortunate enough to go through childhood trauma but have money. So to get into the sports, get into everything that does help you. There are so many kids that are going through so much shit that do not have that opportunity. They're just kind of pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. And there are many organizations that are doing a lot for that. But when it comes to camps, like Tim Hortons camps, like awesome, amazing. But again, there's only a limited amount of kids they can take. So I, it's a social enterprise um, it's like ten tree in a sense. Mm-hmm. So whatever people pay, I take some money aside to get a kid in the camp for free. Yeah, like to bring kids in. So I have a March break camp coming up. Eight of those kids will be from Big Brothers Big Sisters. So like the the family does not have to worry because this opportunity they need it, they deserve it. Mm-hmm. And just because you don't have money for it, you, it just boggles my mind yeah. that mm-hmm. they're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. So and especially in the age of tablets and cell phones and video games they don't go outside and play anymore is that something that resonated with you because you had money growing up and because it was a like i think what what you said when we were at the super bowl was that you know people didn't really understand they assumed you have money you have a good childhood like they oh, don't yeah. oh yeah oh yeah it was crazy like literally like we can we can start talking about that now like yeah yeah sure. so like literally um so when I was six, when I, yeah, 16, it came out, charges started to come out that my dad was sexually assaulting young girls. And it was crazy because no one believed it. Okay, so my mom denied it. I denied it, right? So we'll explain why in a second. So no, 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 he's a police officer. He would never do that. Like, you guys have a good life. Like, literally picture-perfect family on the outside, right? And, like, it's funny because my dad would always say, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Like, he would always say that about different families. Hmm. So when this started coming out, like, it was no one believed it. All these girls were liars. Like, you know, the whole victim-blaming type thing. So I left. Um, Like, I couldn't really be there so I kind of, like, went away. Like, I went up to Collingwood. And it was just... When you were how old? 16. Okay. So my sister lived up there. So she's five years old. Okay. So her friends really did a lot for me. They took me in, and they were so kind. And I was like, no, it's not true. Like, everyone's out to get my dad and everything like this. And my sister was away. And then she came back. And I'll never forget that car ride because she's like, Sarah, we need to talk. I was like, all right. So we took a car ride. I was 16. And she's like, you know, it's true. 
and I literally just broke down. I was like, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm like, but we need to get mom away from him because what PTSD does to you is like literally you forget everything. You forget all the bad things that happened to you. So you, you suppress it because at a young age or even like now, like you, your brain can't deal with it. So thank goodness for my brain. Cause like mm. I wouldn't be able to have survived. It protects you in that yeah, way. Yeah. Like thank goodness. Like PTSD mm-hmm. is there for a reason. Um, so the whole thing was we had to get my mom away because like, obviously like Stockholm syndrome, like so much stuff. Like my mom, we call her St. Catherine. She is the most amazing woman for what she has been through. Like literally doesn't drink. She works at a rescue farm. She would do anything for anyone. Like the only thing she loves is as she calls them her Wheaties. Her Wheaties? Her weed pills. Oh, she has really she has really bad arthritis. Yeah. So she got prescribed them. So she's always just, the only thing I love. She calls me, she starts giggling. She's like, I just took my Wheaties. Oh, oh my God. That's adorable. Oh, you're so much, Mom. But like, yeah, like so that all happened and like um when the police were investigating it they weren't the greatest to us i remember having like a full-on the first real panic attack i've ever had um when they first arrested my dad and they were interviewing me and i was freaking out and they just left me left me then send a child like a child psychologist in nothing <sighs> so and then more more stuff started coming out we got my mom away from my dad, and then the healing could begin. It was rough. Like, it took a long time. And, like, for... It was funny, because when I was a kid, I had issues, obviously. I was sexually abused as well. I would go to the doctors, because my mom's always like, what's wrong with her? Because I was just so quiet or, like, whatever. And the doctors would always try to prescribe me antidepressants. I would bring them home, and my dad would throw them in the garbage. He wouldn't let me be treated because he's a sick man. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like I could hate him, which I kind of still do because that's going to take time. But it's like the whole point where I'm like, he's sick. To actually do that, you can't be like a fully functioning person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and it sounds like it's that's something for you to... Like, if you hold on to the hate, what is it doing for you? Exactly. So that's part of your journey to oh, figure out for yourself. You met, you met me, like, five years ago? I was not like this. Hmm. Like, I thought the world owed me everything, everything I've been through. Like, do you know why isn't life easier? Like, yeah. that doesn't work. <laughs> like, you no. know what I mean? So, yeah. So I dealt with that um, in an interesting way. I finally got onto antidepressants. Thank God for those. Um, anxiety medication and then I you know when you're like I'm fine you hear people like that all the time they go through trauma I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm like I can deal with this so I decided to go to university <laughs> yeah. after everything going through this okay? I'm just gonna keep on going what's the next big challenge yeah. stop any school yes. yeah, for four yeah. Years okay. little I'm gonna like like do this really hard program I'm gonna become a doctor because like even since I was younger I just always wanted to help people right and I think that's because I was never able to help myself sat we talked about this I was sitting in a lecture hall and I just started sobbing like just sobbing because like I knew when I got home like I was going to take a bunch of pills because I just couldn't deal with it anymore and I couldn't admit that like when you're in that position I like I don't know if you guys have been when you are like in the deep dark pits of hell 
to look up and realize what you have to do to get out of it is so daunting that you're just like, it's so much easier. Like it's easier to just sink to the bottom. I'll just got to be a, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. You're like, bye. It's just way much easier. So I think what that was when I did that was a cry for help because I'll never remember. I was in the hospital and my mom came in and she was like, you need to stop. And I stopped. I like left university. I started going to therapy, which really helped. And like I was doing all these things and then you get obsessed with other stuff. So then I got obsessed with eating really healthy, like to an extent that was insane and exercising and doing all this, not focusing on the real problem, but, and then repressed again, went to college, did well, graduated, then decided to move to Germany, which was great. Hmm. Super stoked in all the travels I've done. Decided to go off my antidepressants <laughs> Because I'm fine. <laughs> then I relapsed in Germany. Um, so in broken German, I went to a psychologist and told her my story. She's like, if anyone should be on medication, it is you. Because <laughs> like, so I remember being in the car and crying and be like, I don't want to. Because there's such a faux pas about medication. People like look at you mm-hmm. like there's something wrong with you. And so I felt that I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I need these pills to feel happy? Where in essence, now that I had a good family, like we loved each other. Yeah, I had past trauma, but I'm out of it. Mm -hmm. Why do I still feel like this? Went back on antidepressants, still tried to like, you ever like, you know, like influencers or people that travel a lot. I think it's great. Like, I think it's wonderful. But what I see is people outrunning their problems because that's what I was doing. Hmm. I was like, if I move to this place, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. No, if I go here, I'll be happy. But you take just your always moving you. on oh, to fo- the next thing. Oh, it fucking follows you everywhere. It's you're so like, annoying. Oh God, I'm still with me. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, I didn't leave that behind. Oh shit. Yeah. So like, again, I'm so grateful for all the experiences I went through because it helped me grow as a person. But. Um, and it's incredible that you're able to say that where you are, like where you are right now. It means that you've done so much work that you have sat with yourself now to yeah. be able to say that. Yeah. Like, it, and it's hard. And like, for me, I was talking to my mom the other night and like, I haven't been on a plane in like a year, which is like crazy for me. It sounds so like, so privileged, but like, that was my whole thing. I'm just like, I need to travel. I need to keep moving. I can't yeah. stop. Cause if I stop, then I'm going to start thinking. Um, and then I came home from Germany. Like I ran out of money. My visa expired. And my mom's like, you met Loka, my dog. So adorable. Yeah, so my mom has a, like a, there's like a rescue farm and Loka, she's like, uh, got dropped off. She's a German shepherd. My mom's like, can you just foster her? Just babysit. Yeah, babysit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. Like my main goal was to, I was dating this guy in France. We were planning to get married. It was like four months in. Like, oh my God, I think about it. (laughs) Like, you know, and like. We've all been there. Yeah. Because, you know, that will make everything better. (laughs) And like, so that happened and I got loca and three days and I'm like, I'm keeping this dog. And that changed my life. Literally changed my life. I actually, for the first time, got my own place, got like a job working at a bar, but I could pay my rent and started being independent. I started going therapy every week. I was like taking my medication and like, have you guys been to therapy? Have you been to so many different forums? I've had some interesting experiences with therapy and I think, um, I'm grateful that I also have an academic background in psychology and I, and that I have an obsession. Yeah. I studied psychology in university and, um, but it was also, you know, to, it was my own detriment when I started going to therapists and I, 
I just had the luck of having some therapists who should not be and some who are not in practice anymore. Uh, one of the first therapists that I ever saw, um, actually, yeah, one of the, one of the first therapists I ever saw was because I was going, we wanted couples therapy. My, the boyfriend that I was with in university, we were going to go to couples therapy. That's so, really big of you though. Yeah, well, being was, so young, it was necessary. <laughs> it, it wasn't going to work any other way. Yeah, but I went on my own first, and the first session that I had by myself just to meet the therapist and check out what what it was going to be like. Within 15 minutes, she diagnosed me as being clinically depressed and wrote me a prescription for antidepressants. And I was still, I think, that was like first year university. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm only in psych 101, but. If I've learned anything, it's that you don't diagnose somebody within 15 minutes of meeting them. Oh, God, no. And so I remember going to the doctor with this prescription and sitting and having a really good conversation with this doctor being like, um, it's... And, and, and pills work with, like, many people. And, and you know, maybe, I have no idea what they would have been like for me, but I chose not to. And in that time, I was like, this... Because it was 15 minutes in, something doesn't feel right. I... And, and and because of the good discussion with the doctor, he's like, "Look, I'm gonna, I'll give them to you if you want. It's your choice. I agree with what you're saying. You can't, you should not be diagnosed within 15 minutes." I'm like, I, this isn't, this isn't what I even want. You could want be having for. like a bad day. I, of course, I'm like, oh my god, I get to, It was one of my first experiences with therapy, so I'm like, you cry here, right? Like, of course, <laughs> I just ball my eyes out the whole. <laughs> I'm an I'm an actor now, so I mean, we can all. I have permission to, to like. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was a place. Where, and, and I am somebody who used to hold a lot in and never really spoke about it or dealt with it. And um, for, you know, too many reasons. Yeah. yeah. All of us were like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've, I've spoken a little bit about it on the podcast in the past. So I won't get too much into that. But <laughs> y'all have heard my story. I, I just remember being like, okay, that was... I don't know if I really enjoy that experience. And I did, I did go back because we really wanted it to work. And... Uh, oh, and within the first session, even before my boyfriend got there, she told me to break up with him. So it was like, I was getting, oh, wow. I was being told what to do. I was being, it was just off-putting for me. And then I had another experience. I think I had already, I don't know if I had how many different therapists I had seen in between, probably maybe one or a counselor on campus or something. So not a ton, but I went and saw another therapist and had another just ridiculously degrading experience where I'm like, even I know this is not supposed to happen. Like the therapist started crying. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I've got. <laughs> oh, I've had one that like, like my favorite. Oh my like that is, yeah, no, yeah. Has that happened to you? Have you well, made it? I, I did nothing. I like, well, I just barely said anything. But yeah, no, she got heated. Yeah, I was sharing like a pretty tragic story from my childhood, and she like started to tear mm. up, right? Like she's I'm like, not talking like, about... Well up. Like empathy. Yeah. Yeah, You're empathy, talking about like, unloving. And that's, that's what I mean. It was not yeah. empathy. It was not... It did not feel like a safe environment. Oh, that's it was good. Well, it was a space that we're like... Not to get too much into the story because I don't want to make it about me. I want to talk. I want to talk more about you right now. But I went to a therapist that my parents had. You know, my, my parents and I had convoluted. We have we have a convoluted past. Yeah, our relationship, not just like being a hot headed teen or whatever. But I've always I've always 
wanted better communication with them. And so it was kind of cool that they're like, they they wanted me to go see the therapist that they had been seeing. That you shouldn't do. You shouldn't go see the same therapist as like a family member or um, friends even. Like you should try to have your own therapist if you're going to go into therapy. And the situation that I was in, I don't even think that, well, maybe my parents are going to know now because I've never talked about this. With them. <laughs> but they had been, they've, they'd seen her. So sorry if you didn't want that out there, but like everybody goes to therapy now. So yeah. there you go. 2020. And, yeah. And it, it, ugh, fuck, everybody should find some sort of therapy, whatever that is for them. Even if it's like yoga or, you know, alcohol. Just kidding. I'm yeah. so joking. <laughs> joking. Um, don't do it. But. I remember I, I just, I wouldn't open up a lot. I, I barely said like three words to this woman. I remember being so closed off and being like, something's not right. Like, I just don't want to talk to this person. And she got frustrated with me for not making any progress, for not wanting to talk, for not wanting to open up and acknowledge things. And she ended up telling me that I don't acknowledge how wonderful of a man my father was. And she got oh, angry no. and started almost, she was tearing up. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is yeah, that's not good. That, I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you in love with my father? Like, yeah. like it was the we. I'm like, okay, this is not like, therapy. I need, a, I need a yeah. therapist. I need yeah. 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 like, <laughs> this is not what we're paying you for. Yeah, I'm paying you. Yeah. Like, this is so strange. It's like a therapist is like, Shopping for jeans. You know what I mean? Like, and jeans are not easy to shop for. No, they are not. And Ugh. it's just like, even like anything, like you go to like doctors now, like I'm really lucky to have a great doctor, but like doctors nowadays, they're just like, I'll oh, take this. I'll oh, take this. And like, I, I honestly, I am so on board with antidepressants. Like if you actually are clinically depressed or anxiety medication or anything like this, but the one issue with the doctors is, um, I think I mentioned this, I took uh, clonazepam before I came because I was super anxious. So that's like anxiety medications, almost like a sedative. And the issue is, is that clonazepam is so addicting. Mm. It is insane. So doctors really pushed that on to me. And I remember, so like, my my sister, she takes like 0.5 of a milligram. She's like out, like la oh, wow. la la la, like super happy. I was taking in university at 22. I was taking nine, nine a day, nine at one time, nine at one. Wow, yeah, like super insane. So they're so addicting because it, like it takes away everything. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't feel anything, which yeah. is like when you're constantly in a state of like. Oh my God, like, you know, like anxiety attacks, Mm -hmm. what they feel like. You feel like you're dying. You feel like Mm -hmm. the world is ending. Your lips get tingly. So when you're having like five anxiety attacks a day, you're like, okay, I'm going to take nine pills to avoid that. Right. So when it's there and it's even like, I remember with like, um, like when I first started the wildlings, I had to cancel a camp because I was having the worst panic attack of my, like one in like recent years. And it was so hard for me because I was just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, why are you being like, you're so hard on yourself. Yeah. But it's like, if I broke my arm, people would get it. If I, yeah. if I broke my leg or I had a seizure, like they would understand. So it's like more that stigma of mental health. And especially what my father pushed on to me is throwing those antidepressants in the garbage. If I cried, I wasn't allowed to cry. I wasn't allowed to like be upset, like anything like that. So for me, like you had to I had to relearn that like it's okay to say no yeah you know what I mean and like so many people like it's okay to cancel plans it's okay to be like I'm 
mental health day. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like I'll tell my boss like mental health day. Like I need it. Like, and it's pretty incredible that now we're at a point where that is we're warranting that we're actually acknowledging that that is something that you know should be worked into our healthcare system in a much more aggressive way. Oh my god, way. Scandinavia just launched the first mental health ambulance. What? Yeah, they like have well, a mental just... health ambulance now that will go on calls and it's like so it's like literally someone on a motorcycle or something or a moped or some weird European contraption that's tiny and fits into all the parking spaces. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a moped, but okay. Anyway, but the idea is to get someone there who can address Issues that don't actually need to be brought to the hospital necessarily. Well, like I remember, so when everything, so panic attacks, anxiety attacks, super different. So what would happen for me with a panic attack is I would literally go back to being my 10 year old self and it would it wasn't necessarily visual, but it was emotional. Mm-hmm. It was that feeling of disgust, I mm-hmm. guess you could describe it. And I would literally be in a corner, my poor mother, and wouldn't let anyone touch me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she would have to call the ambulance. But I remember being taken away by the ambulance, but just thinking I'm crazy. Like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with me? Like, mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. Yeah. And being put in a locked room and everything like that. And then, like, my doctor, who I love, would come and, like, talk to me. He would always calm me down. But it's that sense of you're like, oh, I'm just, fu- I'm just fucking crazy. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, Getting no, I'm, I, off again yeah, like, yeah, thing, yeah, I'm not sick. I'm crazy. Yeah, where it's like, if we talk about what people go through, so especially with sexual abuse or physical abuse, when you go through a, like a childhood, you carry that in, and if you're not acknowledged, that will carry into other aspects. So, the fact that I did not go into abuse of alcohol, the fact that I did not go into um, Prostitution, which is, I think, you know, is a very, like, like sex work is work. But, like, the fact that I didn't do that to feel validated, um, the fact that I didn't go into heavy drugs or anything like that, like, statistically, I am very lucky. Yeah. And I put that on to my badass mom, my amazing sister, and the amazing people that surrounded me. But I'm also a white female that came from an upper class. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I can acknowledge that. And I can be like, I was lucky in the fact that people were already there. Yeah. And I feel super lucky that I had the same, like, even though I felt where I was at and when I started trying to reach out and have conversations or find counselors and, um, and even in like for years and I've seen, you know, body talk therapists and do mainly my, my main thing now is yoga and it's been an incredible transformation. You do a lot of yoga too. Yeah. But I, I'm still attribute a lot of my, I don't know, luck, I guess. I mean, we were talking about being lucky. I, I was born into an incredible support system. Like my parents, as convoluted as, you know, of a relationship as we've had and as is every family dynamic, there's always like, nothing is going to be picture perfect, especially the ones that you see from the outside. Like we've been talking about, I, I was lucky that I also had an incredible family support system so that getting through those experiences and, you know, having not taken like if I didn't have that and I didn't take the medication um, who knows where I would be but I think I had an aversion to that because I also had experiences with like uh, watching friends want to commit suicide with uh taking pills or like drinking Javix and just different different kinds of substances where at a very young age I started meeting people who I, I people who 
who talked a lot about suicide and as a young kid and over the years I remember putting those together being like well what's the common denominator it's fucking me what's going on and not knowing how to process that but being afraid of like not wanting to take pills when they were presented to me for mm-hmm. several like I think I also had a pretty rational head on my shoulders and I'm like no this just doesn't make sense for me where I'm at but yeah. I had an aversion to it and I was really lucky to over the years still have an incredible support system an incredible friend like the family that I also wasn't born into I've been surrounded by in- incredible people like like even Justin meeting Justin a year ago I'm like Clinging on to this one. Ayo. I think it's pretty cool. You and meeting just, you. Yeah. The other, like, like, I think that's like so important. So like when everything came out, like Caroline, I know you're going to probably listen to this, but like she'd get upset with how open I was. But this why, is your sister? Yeah, my sister. Okay. Love you. <laughs> um, she's like the best person ever, but like she was really upset when everything came out. Why I like, I was just so open about it, but I think I was trying to prove to myself that it was real. Like everything Mm. that was going on in my brain that I was like, no, 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 like you're not imagining this. This is real. And she would get upset because people would know, but that was her own healing process. Right. So we kind of collided in how we were dealing with it. Different styles. Yeah, Yeah. Different styles. So like that was really frustrating. So our, relationship was kind of rocky for a bit but like since I've gotten home from Germany like we've really connected connected Mm -hmm. again because we're both like no like we want to like we have two um, she has two beautiful daughters and I love them they're so cute Lulu and Gypsy Rose and like they are the most amazing fucking girls in the world so have you ever guys um, have you heard about intergenerational trauma Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm so I'm German, so oh, that no. stuff runs oh deep. <laughs> yeah, I got some German blood yeah. in me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> so I started. Um, I talked to my mom about this, like, because I knew this podcast. We were. Ta- I was going to talk about it. So I did some research into my dad's side of the family. Oh, can you actually just give a brief description of what intergenerational trauma so is? So intergenerational trauma. It's been brought up a lot with um, Indigenous people since um we as white people came over and we decided to um destroy their culture destroy everything and now everyone will look at the indigenous community like they're a bunch of drunks and everything's going shit show in their communities and it's like if you look back and back and back and back it's like no it started at one point so this one man became an alcoholic because of what happened then he abuses his child. His child grows up. All he knows is physical violence or sexual abuse. Continues that on and on and, and the on. the cycle continues. And the cycles continues. The same yeah. with the poverty cycle, right? So we, mm-hmm. like, blame people. Or it's just like, oh, like, you're so poor. But it's, like, it's so hard. If you work with kids in that area or families in that, it's so hard to get out of that cycle. So I decided to do research into my dad's side of the family. And it goes back far. Mm-hmm. Right? How did you actually find that? Like, how do you go about researching something uh, well, like that? Well, it was more hearsay. Yeah. Um, so I know, like, again, I'm not going to get too in-depth because yeah, this okay. is not my story. Yep. Well, but it's also tough to get anything else aside from anecdotal yeah. references. Yeah. So I just... No, you're I mean, talking to uh, yeah. the family, basically. Yeah. That's how yeah. you. That's yeah. I just, I just know. Um, I, I know from stories. I remember from. I, ju- I just know, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so that's continued on to us. Mm-hmm. So with my two beautiful nieces, who Lulu is like the most 
big hearted, wonderful girl who will save the world one day. And then Gypsy Rose, who has fiery red hair, will probably run the world one day. <laughs> so, oh, I love like, she's that. so feisty. And with my sister, I can look at them. I'm like, this is where it ends. I'm like, this is where we we stop that cycle, and we these girls are going to have a good life. Again, we can't protect them from everything, but from that past family trauma, it stops here. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's pretty cool that my mom, my sister, and I, and, like, Gypsy and Lou, we all live in, like, one block radius of each other now. It sounds like the beginning when you're talking about going to university and kind of chasing those professional accolades mm-hmm. to kind of heal that wound it sounds like you've kind of found your empowerment less in that aspect of your life and you're actually finding it in your family again which is really cool to see that kind of cycle oh yeah it's super true like i have an apartment okay <laughs> i i own a car okay oh my God. i i know <laughs> i pay my bills i like come home to a wonderful boyfriend like it is completely opposite to what i thought my life would be but it's so blissful it is so wonderful do i get that urge to travel like for sure there's like I, i'm an adventurer like i love exploring i love experiencing new things but the main thing that i've taken away from everything i've been through is that it's the people around you that matter it's friendships, it's family, it's your pets, it's the simplicity. And like, I love um, what my boyfriend said. It was so funny. It's like, I told him, I was talking to my mom and he has this like silly spin bike. I hate it because he looks like such a dork. <laughs> He's like spinning on the bike, watching like TV. And I'm like talking mom. I'm like, mom, we, we like, I'm like, we love like working. Like we have no plan to like get rich fast and like whatever and then him on his bike he's like or at all (laughs) yeah like it's the whole thing is it's like what we have now is everything we need and like whatever adds on top of it is a bonus i'm like if i literally can work with kids every day and show them like their worth their value and like that they can conquer anything that comes up towards them my life is complete. My heart is so full. If I had a billion or like a million dollars, I'd do this for free. Well, it's really cool that you talk about it now, that wh- where you're at. Yeah. I mean, again, Ta- coming back to the journey, it sounds Took a like while. it's... Yeah. <laughs> and that is how it goes. Yeah, it's, I'm still it's moving It's the while, forward. it's the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, still moving forward every day. Well, I'm glad you didn't turn the car around. I know. I'm glad you. I'm so glad you came. I know. Because even 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 after this is like we we already had a connection, and I feel I feel the same thing. Like your energy, my my heart feels like its cup is full. It's it's so strange to hear you describe yourself in the past as quiet and and, oh god, I never spoke and very different because that is not at all anything close to the impression and I just met you like what an hour ago like I never shut up now but but it's great it's like <laughs> the energy you're putting out instead of forcing it back in it's amazing yeah like well like I said fuck it yeah <laughs> so how do you so bringing this back to the wildlings how do you try to like so, so you're giving the kids the opportunity to get into nature and kind of connect with themselves is there anything more specific that you're trying to do or look for in a child to bring out that same kind of energy in them is there something is it a matter of just listening to the child and letting them be the authors of their own stories is it a matter of trying to guide them and point them in the right direction what do you actually see as your role in shaping those youth my role is to support their passion 
I think that's like the main thing is like when I was a kid, their age, I was obsessed with anatomy, like loved the like the human body. And my mom always supported that. She would buy me like the Grey's Anatomy, like not 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 the the show, like the actual Mm -hmm. Grey's Anatomy book. And like she would support my passions. If I was obsessed with Harry Potter, she would support it. If I got obsessed with dance, she would support it. And like she would never like push me. But if I was over it, like she'd be like, okay, what's the next one? So with these kids, I'm like, I let them, I'm like, okay, like you really into building fires. I think that's awesome. So let's look at how to build different fires or let's look at like how we can learn about how we as a society congregated around fires and how that developed our civilization. And I also let them feel their emotions. And I think that is the biggest thing. I'm like, you're angry. They're like, yeah, I'm like, be angry. I'm like, I want you to be angry. I want you to learn how to express it in a healthy way. We're not, like, I don't let them hit kids or anything, but I'm like, do you want to scream as loud as you can? I'm like, there's a cliff up there. Let's go up to the cliff. We're going to scream as loud as we can to get that anger out. But just because you're angry or just because you're sad doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. You're acknowledging what's happening inside of them rather than letting them find ways to suppress it. Yeah. I'm like, just be sad. I'm like, you want to cry? Let's cry. I'm like, I cry like every day. Like, but it's not an unhealthy thing. It's like, I, people always are like, you're so like like a roller coaster and I'm like yeah because that's that's the brain like I'm I'm not going to be happy all day there's probably going to be a shitty time in my day usually when I haven't had my fourth cup of coffee like, <laughs> God, I, I love you me. that's my that's that's going to be my one cool thing yeah <laughs> but like just feel shitty and acknowledge it and be like I hate it was so funny when I would bring friends or friends would visit from Germany they always would get so frustrated because they're like how are you good how are you Like, that's how we would say, like, it was just acknowledgement. If you ask a German that, if you're like, wie geht's or how are you? They will tell you their whole life story and how they are not okay. Or, like, how they are okay. So I think that's, like, for people, if you're having a bad day, just acknowledge it and tell people. Be like, how are you? I'm like, shitty day. They look at me all weird. I'm like, no, I'm having a shitty day. I had an anxiety attack, bad yeah, dream. Like, hey, uh, you asked. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, but I'll be okay. Yeah. But like, if I'm off, like people need. It's to- not your responsibility to take care of this, but you asked me how I was. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I'm not looking at you or talking to you, I'm like, this is why. So like, I try to teach the kids like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to have an off day, or not like your teacher or your best friends bothering you. Like it doesn't make you a bad person, but like for them to deal with it in healthy manners. Because when I was a kid, I just suppressed it, and that was the situation I was in, and that's whatever. These kids, I want to give them the opportunity, even if it like a majority, a lot of the families like come from our great families. Like, I love all the parents. They're fantastic. But the kids that I'm bringing in from lower-income areas, this is their escape. So I'm like, be a kid. Have fun. Like, if you want to yell, if you want to scream, if you want to sit in the bush and pick berries, I don't care. But just no worries. Just enjoy it. And I never try to force them to do any activities or anything like that. That's a huge thing for me. Which is amazing. Awesome. Acknowledging that. Yes. Thank you. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for anyone listening, is there any way that anyone can donate to your business? Is there any way that people can get involved? Any resources? Any help that can be offered? Like, what can we do? 
Yes, please, because I am only two years old. Like the not me. <laughs> this was a lot for a two year old. Yeah. <laughs> um, from like the business perspective, so I've had this idea since I was twenty. So mm-hmm. I'm almost thirty, and I actually got the balls to do it two years ago. Um, but we do have a don- donor box set up. If you go through our website, thewildlingscamp.com, you can donate to help send a kid to camp for the day. You can donate to help send a kid to our summer camps. Anything. If you can donate $2, whatever. Like I said, I would do this for free, but I really do need the help because there are a lot of kids in need. And like I said, I'm trying to expand across Canada in five years. So... Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Links to all that stuff will be in the description, so please check it out. We do one cool thing at the end of our episode, something that it can literally be anything. Uh, we like to try to think of things that are like one cool actionable thing that you do for yourself to either calm down or uh, something that other people can partake in. So you've also already like, we're plugging your work and people can donate to that. That is an incredible thing. Um, And I know I said that mine was going to be coffee, (laughs) but this I, I I almost feel a little ashamed to have never used this as a cool thing before, but it's beautiful that it's hitting me with this conversation. My one cool thing is my family. I have a I. You're getting emotional. No, I'm not. You're getting. You're getting emotional. Don't deny it. Accept no, your emotions. Just, yeah, yeah, be emotional. It's healthy. <laughs> Thank you. I, I have a really fucking cool family. My mom and my dad and my sister are all individually such interesting people who have shaped me in such incredible ways. I have a piece of them (laughs) that live in my heart wherever I go. And I'm still trying to figure out if I believe in, you know, whether or not you choose the family that you were born into. That's an interesting uh, idea that I have been hearing so much lately that I'm still wrapping my head around and figuring out what that means to me. But I'm, if I, if I chose, I'm really glad. I got I got a cool family yeah. going on, guys. They're they're real dope. Yeah, that's yeah, that's amazing. my one cool thing. Well, I think one cool thing and one question I've been asked a lot is if I could go back in time, would I choose to go through what I went through? Um, I wouldn't change a thing because it shaped me for. I'm gonna get emotional, but it, it shaped me for who I am. I love who I am. I love my passion for life. I love my passion to help people. I love all the people I have met during my journey. And I think that my mom, my sister and I are stronger because of it. And we wouldn't have that bond. And we wouldn't have my two, I don't know if we wouldn't have my two badass nieces. You should get them on a podcast. (laughs) Done. Totally. (laughs) Tell me when. We'll set it up. Gypsy would destroy you. (laughs) Oh, I love it already. Bring them. Okay, we're going to set that up. Yeah, but like honestly, again, like you can't uh, really choose your past, but you can literally let it make you and you can either choose it as a positive or a negative. And it was a negative for a bit, but overall it's pretty positive. (laughs) And my one cool thing, recently watched Bombshell, and I think a lot of your story kind of echoes in that. So if anyone's interested in that, please check it out. It's really, really well done and very, very powerful. But the thing that's standing out the most from it is right at the end, there is a scene where she's talking to her lawyers, um, and she's looking, I think she looks... Oh. No, no, it's not a spoiler. Okay. Um, and she's looking at the camera. <laughs> and, and it's something that I never realized, but apparently research shows that 
Typically speaking, we as human beings do not believe victim stories unless we know someone who has been a victim personally. Mm. Um, And the really powerful thing at the end is she makes eye contact with the camera and goes, let me be that person for you. Um, And so I just want to say thank you, Sarah, so much for being on here. You are definitely that person for me. And it is definitely changing my outlook on a lot of things. Oh. Okay, I'm not going to cry. Oh, I'm totally fine. Okay, we're all going to go cry now, so. Yay! Thank you. No, thanks, guys. I really, I didn't think I was that special, but thank you. I really appreciate it. Holy shit. Well, we're going to change that. You're you're fucking special. (laughs) Support the wildlings. You're fucking special. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. If you like this podcast, you can support it by subscribing to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also leave us a review. Which sincerely helps us. Which we love. Come hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and send us your questions, recommendations, and cool things at we're totally not okay at gmail.com. Learn more about how you can lend your voice to this podcast and join us on an episode by looking at the link in our description. More information can be found at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. The views, information, and opinions expressed in the We're Totally Not Okay podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of its associated networks, sponsors, or advertisers. The primary purpose of this podcast is to entertain and learn. This podcast series does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are in distress, please contact a professional.